Amen. Thank you, Steve. Amen. Well, good morning. I would like for everyone to go ahead and to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to be all the way down to verse 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 17, and we're going to go into chapter 3 uh, to verse 6. So as you're turning there, uh, this has been an interesting a couple of weeks, um, uh, you know, I've been uh, looking at this and God's been working with me on this uh, particular message for, uh, for a couple of weeks, and I'm excited about this. I don't know, uh, you know, so uh, this week I have titled, uh, you know, the message Face to Face, and we'll get into why I titled it Face to Face. As the global church of the Nazarene, we have been and we have used the Great Commission, which is Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Since the beginning of the global church of the Nazarene, we have used that as our mission statement. Back in 2006, we narrowed that mission statement down. And the mission statement that we have now is to make Christ-like disciples in all the nations. So as the global church of the Nazarene, we are to make Christ-like disciples into all the nations. Now, that doesn't mean that we just simply send money so that somebody else can go to all the foreign nations and make disciples. That means that we, as the Church of the Nazarene, needs to make disciples. Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene, we came up, and to help us to understand and be able to bring in and figure out what we are supposed to do with the mission statement of the global church of the Nazarene, we have been talking about making connections. Now, please don't say making connections, Pastor. I've never heard that. For the last six years, we've been talking about and we have been working through this as far as making connections with the people that Jesus has for us. And as we make connections, what do we do? We show them God's love for us, right? Right there in the center door. And then we love them with God's love that He loves us with, right? And then we love others. And we connect all of those together. And that's how we, as Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene, help the global church of the Nazarene to make or to do the mission that we are here for. We connect with people, then we walk alongside of them in showing them God's love for us by the story that He has in us and through us. And then as we connect with them 
because of his love that he has for us, we then show them his love and help them to see that the love that he has in us is the love that he wants to give to them. That's simple, right? We find this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. So let me read this for you this morning. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Right? Love comes from God, so we can't love one another unless we love God. And unless God loves us. It says, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into, this, into the world so that we might have eternal life through them. This real love, not what we, or not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes, our own eyes, and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God has God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we will face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Amen? That is, for the last six years, what our ministry here at Rock Hill First Church of the Nazarene has been based upon. And now we look here at Second or at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and I'm going to go ahead and read this for you, beginning with verse 17. It says, but as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, in person, not in heart, we greatly desired, to, desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we, want to, so we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us, for who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting 
in this present in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming is it not you indeed you are our glory and joy therefore we when we could no longer stand it we thought it was better to be left alone in Anthe, in yes i got you and we sent timothy our brother and god's coworker in the gospel of christ to strengthen and encourage you concerning yourselves know that we are that we are appointed to this in fact when we were with you we told you in advance that we were going to experience afflictions and as you know it happened for this reason when i could no longer stand it I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. Amen? So there again, we're getting more of this story as far as what happened whenever Paul and them were here and began in the building up of this church. Whenever I came to this and I read this, don't know where your mind went to, but I know where mine went. Mine went to the parable that Jesus told the disciples back in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 8, and that talks about the sowing of the seeds. Now, whenever we look at that particular parable that he told us, we have to understand that we are supposed to sow the seeds wherever we go, right? We're walking along, we just simply sow the seeds. We don't look down or we don't look out and say, the soil's not going to receive this seed, so I'm not going to throw it there. We just simply have to cast the seed and then allow the seed to do whatever it's going to do. Now, we also have to understand, and we, whenever, whenever we get into this, we look, right? So there's, there's the soil that's along the path, that whenever it's cast on that path, it's too hard, it doesn't take root, and what happens? The bird comes and eats up the seed, takes it so it doesn't have any roots. Then you have the roots or the seed that they're thrown upon, uh, you know, the stony ground, which it goes in, and it, it takes root really quick, but it can't dig in very deep. So whenever the temptation comes or the sun comes, it scorches it and it all dies. And then you have the, the, the seeds that land in the good soil and it's, uh, you know, it's fertile and it grows and it produces a hundredfold, right? So whenever we look at this, we also have to go in and think about the parables that Jesus told us about the farmer and how the, you know, how the fields needed to be tended. And then we look here at what Paul is doing and Paul is talking about, I needed to come and to see you. Why did Paul need to come back and to see the people face to face in Thessalonians? He wanted to come because he wanted to strengthen their faith 
and encourage them. Thank you. Strengthen their faith and encourage them. But I also want you to look down at verse 5 of chapter 2. And it says in verse 5 there, it says, For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith. Now he is sending Timothy to find out about their faith. Because he feared that the tempter had came and taken it away. And therefore they had fallen and the work that they did there had became nothing. I want you to see this. This is like us tending to the seed that we have cast out. We're sowing seeds all throughout our life, right? We're, we're just simply, we got the seed, the gospel is the seed... His story in my life is the seed, and I'm casting it out, and it's going wherever it goes. I see that it lands here, and I see that it begins to sprout up, and then I leave. If we are constant within the work of God, then we come back and we tend to the seed that we have seen that has flourished. Remember, last week it talked, and he said that I have seen evidence that the gospel has taken effect and root in your life because your life has changed. And now we see here that he's worried about the faith. He's worried about the temptations and whether or not the tempter has snatched your faith away or has destroyed your faith because of the struggles that you have been facing. What about our lives? Do we not struggle from time to time? Does Satan not come in and make us question things? He came to Adam and Eve and made them question, right? They had a relationship with God. They knew what it sounded like whenever he came into the garden. Satan came to them and made them question whether or not God truly had good intentions for them or he was hiding something from them. The world looks at us and the world says, does God really have your back? If he does, then why don't you have enough money to pay all your bills? If he does, then why are you so sick? If he does, then why can't you accomplish this? Right? I'm just... The tempter is going to come. And if we're not careful, he will snatch away what God has placed in our hearts. Yeah, but pastor, wait a minute. What about that passage of scripture that says that, that nothing can pluck us out of God's hands? God is sovereign and God can hold us and God can protect us, but we must stay within his hands to have the protection. If we wander out into the world, we're no longer in the protection 
I, I don't think that Paul was writing this and Paul wrote this telling us that he's worried about the tempter if there's not something to be worried about with the tempter. He wants us to see this, that we need to make sure that we are where we're supposed to be. But I also want you to see this. Because the more and the more I look into Thessalonians, the more I see this as this evangelical statement that Paul has given to us. And Paul is telling us that I need, that you need, that whenever we see someone receive the seed, receive the word of God, and we can see the effect in their lives, that we must not leave them alone, that we need to continue to walk with them and to help them to develop until their roots grow deep into God and they can withstand the tempter. It is our responsibility as fellow believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, to walk along the new believers to help them until they can stand on their own. Paul was worried. The first thing that he wanted Timothy to do was he wanted him to strengthen them or to strengthen their faith. How does he strengthen their faith? He continues to teach them about the gospel. He continues to talk to them about what Jesus Christ has done. He continues to talk about the benefits that we have in believing in Jesus Christ and His death, resurrection, and that we live in Him and through Him. We teach them that. Can you, you can't get it on Sunday morning. You get a little taste of it on Sunday mornings. But it's whenever you connect with your community group that you can walk hand in hand, side by side, as we struggle through this life together. Remember, we're making connections. We're connecting with one another. We're helping them to see how much God loves them. We're loving them through God. And then we're going out into the world and loving everybody else. Whoo, man, is that not it? Oh, golly. Oh, man, that is why we have the community groups. Sunday mornings, we get encouraged. Sunday evening with your community group, you dig deeper. Tuesday evening with your community group, you grow deeper. Tuesday mornings at the coffee shop, we really go deep. Man. If we are trying to walk this along by ourselves, the tempter will come and snatch us away. Whew. I can almost stop right there. I'm so winded. I got to get my water. I'm sorry. I got to get my water. See, how do we encourage people? How do we become like Timothy and encourage someone if we don't know where they live? How can we encourage someone if we don't spend time with them? 
How do we encourage someone if we don't speak encouraging words? Churches and Christianity, one of the strangest community and one of the strangest families and groups that I believe I've ever been involved in. We had rather shoot our wounded than to help them back to health. You know, would rather go ahead and tell me, oh, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Here you go. I can't believe you like that on Facebook. <laughs> did you not read all of what it said? No, it just had a pretty picture there. So I clicked, yes, I like that. Come on, we're supposed to encourage one another. Uh, one thing is, is that it takes an effort. Do, do we not understand that it took an effort? Because right there in, the first, in, in verse 17 of chapter 2, right? He said that we tried and we tried to come to you, but Satan kept stopping us. Number one, we get this understanding from this that they were forced to leave. They didn't leave whenever they wanted to. Because of the afflictions, because of the persecution, they had to leave. But then they said, we wanted to come back. I don't know about y'all. About y'all. I sound like a country guy. I, I was in a dilemma yesterday. I really was. I went to the truck and tractor pool. I went to it twice. I couldn't see it once. I had to go to it twice. No, I got to go to it twice. First time I went with my grandkids, but as I'm getting ready and stuff, I'm like, Peggy, I don't really know what to wear. I'm like, I don't want to go like a city slicker, uh, you know, to a truck and tractor pool or to a truck pool or truck thing. You know, they weren't pulling anything, but they were jumping over stuff. Uh, you know, so I, I didn't want to wear my golf attire, you know, my golf shorts and golf shirt. I didn't want to wear that to the you know to the truck show. So I'm like, what am I going to wear? You know, I found some shorts and a shirt, you know, just a little pullover shirt that said world's number one papa. I'm like, okay, that's good. I don't look like a hick and I don't look like a city slicker. I'm just somewhere in between. But see, I forgot where I was going with it. That was such a good story. I forgot where that was. Y'all take that where you want it to go. But I had a good time. I, you know, I, I did, I, you know, both times. I, you know, great time with my grandson, great time with other people in, in the community group later that evening. Uh, you know, but whenever we look at this, we, we deal with this aspect as far as making this connection and being able to help one another and encourage them. Really, guys, you know, Walking by, whenever I see all of y'all, you know, on Sunday mornings, man, that's great. But whenever I bump into you in the grocery store, hey, you know, Tuesday, I'm at Judy and Steve in Walmart. Woo! Man, I'm like, you know, I was going fast through Walmart, and all of a sudden I heard, hey, pastor. I'm like, oh, I know them. Let's go no, I went back, and I did shake their hand and talk to them. But see, those are the fun things. Whenever you meet one another outside of church and you're able to, 
to talk with them and, you know, and have this relationship. I do. I like it whenever y'all are here on Sundays. But I really like it whenever I meet you outside of church. You know, when we're able to talk and to do other things. We make a connection. We encourage one another. Oh, by the way, I bought a book. Now, this here does make sense. Okay, I bought a book. And I'm stoked about this book. Don't know how many books I've ever been stoked about, but y'all get this, okay? The name of it is Player's Progress. It's a golfer's rendition of the Pilgrim's Progress. Y'all like that? Golfer's rendition. Oh, I'm all into it. I'm going to have about five or six guys, and we're going to be reading this book, and we're going to go golfing, and we're going to talk about this book. Man, I can't talk about the Pilgrim's Progress to them. They're, they're golfers, so we got to talk about golf stuff. Come on, guys. We have to encourage people, and we do it by connecting to them. Hopefully, y'all find this as a, as a good thing here. We strengthen and encourage them in their faith. So that the tempter doesn't take it. And make our work useless. Oh, wow. Let's go back to, to chapter 2. Let's go down here and look at verse 19. It says, For who is our hope, or joy, or crown of boasting in the presence of of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming. Who is it? The people that we are able to bring to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's our joy. That's our hope that whenever we get to heaven, that's going to be the fruit that we bring to Jesus Christ, the everlasting fruit Salvation that we have shared with other people. It says that, right? Is it not you? So why in the world would we lead someone to Christ and then walk away from them? Why in the world would we take this time to be able to witness to them and to bring them to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then say, praise the Lord, I'll see you in heaven. No. That's the gruel, that's the, the gruel, that's the jewels in our crown. That whenever we get to heaven, we're going to be given and then we're going to place it at the feet of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. going to be all about this. See, this relationship that we have with Him is not to be by ourselves. We're supposed to share His story, which is our story, with everyone else. We're supposed to cast the seeds out. And whenever we see that the gospel message has affected their life, we go back and we nurture them and we work with them and we bring them into maturity. 
It's not that we're mature because it's this journey together. Hopefully whenever you stumble, they're there to pick you up. Whenever they stumble, you're there to pick them up. In verse 20, indeed you are our glory and joy. This life that we have has a purpose. We're not just simply here because we look good or because, because we liked. God has a purpose for us. And that purpose is to glorify Him. And we glorify Him as we live our lives in front of everyone else so that they can then worship and glorify Him. We do it all for Him. We get our strength and our courage and our encouragement and our joy from seeing other people saved. You remember, it's like that, you know, being able as a pastor or even as a layperson to see the light bulb come on in someone's heart that they now understand. God's love and mercy for them. That is the joy. That is what keeps us going. That is what motivates us. It's not always a struggle. We get those moments of joy as people get it. As we're able to grow the kingdom of God. As the body of Christ, we can't forget about our others. We can't forget about the others that, that we know have accepted Christ. We must be about God's business in making Christ-like disciples. Paul shows us here how we're supposed to do this. I'd ask that everyone would stand. I know that for a while, Peggy has been talking to y'all on Sunday mornings about coming to the altar and being intercessors, interceding for one another and interceding for lost loved ones and our families. Right now, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to bow your head. I want you to picture that person in your life that needs Jesus Christ. I want you to call out their names right now. You can do it out loud. 
You can call out their name right now. No, no, y'all still didn't get it. You can do this out loud. See, give us their name. John Jay. Now we take courage in knowing that the God that hears has heard your cry this morning. But we don't leave it. We keep speaking the name. Keep asking for the Holy Spirit to move. Pray and ask that God would never remove that draw of the Holy Spirit on that person's life. You got the picture. You've got the name. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day and I thank you for these words. God, I pray, dear Lord, that we would take this as encouragement from Paul right now in our hearts and our lives. And the people that you have put on our minds and on our tongues that we spoke. God, I pray that you would go and that you would move in their hearts and their lives. God, that one day that they would be our hope, our joy, and our crown that we present to you on that judgment day. In Jesus' name, amen.